doesn't take. It didn't take long. No. Okay. Two seconds. Okay. 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 We're here with. Uh, we're here at Titten Falls Orthopedic and Sports Physical Therapy with Dr. Kim Kukin again to talk about the overhead athlete and shoulders. And uh, Mark, what were you saying about Kim earlier? Was she at the college? Where, what was the? Uh, Oh, yeah, I was very impressed with Kim's, uh, uh, her pedigree as far as her education is concerned. You know, went to a very prestigious university, uh, and I think that, uh, that, that Bill Cosby, was he, he wasn't part of your, he wasn't part of your class. Now, you're way, way too young for that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, Kim, apparently she got a, a, I think it was a 40 in math and a 20 in verbal from her SAT, and uh, she could have gone anywhere, but she chose Temple. And we're happy for it. Actually, Temple's a very good school. <laughs> Thank you for that, Mark. <laughs> as long as it's a very good school, one of the best ones that's surrounded by barbed wire. Is it not surrounded it by is. barbed wire? This is true. <laughs> not exactly in the best part of town yeah. in Philly, right? <laughs> All right, so the overhead athlete, um, crossfitters, baseball players, basketball players, any athlete that's putting things over their head and doing it in an athletic manner. Um, so shoulders are involved. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the shoulder and uh, some important points to focus on when it comes to your training, your athletic endeavors. So Kim's going to tell us a little bit about the shoulder structure and what that is comprised of and what's the most important parts Great. for well, the overhead athlete to deal with. You're right. So um, the first thing I think that is the most important for people to really understand and get to know about the shoulder is that the shoulder isn't just... The round part of your upper arm here. Um, your so shoulder, I do shoulders. I'm not just doing this area. Yeah, here. you're not just looking at the round part um, up at the top near your head and neck. So the shoulder is actually a complex or a girdle, and it is made up of four actual joints, not just the one that we perceive to be the shoulder. And um, although that glenohumeral joint, the round part of our shoulder, is the primary joint. Um, it also has um, a shoulder blade joint, which is on the back, where the shoulder blade or the scapula lays on the back ribs. Um, and then there's also your joint that is called your sternoclavicular joint. That's sort of at the base of your neck, at so the top of your chest. Collarbone area. Collarbone area. Okay. And um, the inner collarbone area. And then at the end of your collarbone, where it meets what we think of as the shoulder, the glenohumeral joint. That the ball and socket. The, yeah. When you say, what's the glenohumeral what is joint is your ball and ball socket and sock. joint. Okay. Um, and so those are the four actual joints that make up the shoulder what girdle. What was the last one you were to just say? That's the um, AC joint, okay, and that's at the end of the collarbone, and it kind of meets the actual other piece of the shoulder blade. So to keep it simple, it's good to know that there are four joints. So when you're looking at the shoulder. Um, it's not, you can't really just look at it through a telescope and narrow it down to, okay, everything is going on right at this one particular spot, because all of those joints and all the structures that kind of surround the joints, like the muscles and the ligaments, um, they all work together to make and perform those functional overhead movements, those diagonal movements, everything we do from day to day. Um, at home or work, and also especially with our, our sports and our activities like that, where we're overhead lifting. So if we named an exercise, would you be able to, to tell us which, jo which joint in the shoulder that that's going to primarily help or work? So depending on the structures, okay, um, the shoulder complex works together. Okay. So 
most of all of our activities as human beings are dynamic when we move. So you're not going to isolate out specifically, okay, it's exactly this joint of my shoulder complex that is doing this action. Now, there are specific muscle actions from specific muscles and muscle groups that perform certain types of movements and activities. But when we look at the joints and the complex itself, they all depend on movement together to create the action. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, so there's another piece of the anatomy that's very important though. So when I told you that the ball and socket joint is our primary joint of that complex, um, that ball and socket joint the actual socket part of the joint is lined with what we call the labrum and it's basically just a tissue lining that deepens that socket. It actually provides stability for the shoulder because the shoulder has an incredible amount of movement um, that can be achieved there. So we always need stability with a lot of mobility okay, to keep our joint structures and our muscles safe from injury. Um, typically when we develop imbalances in some of those structures, that's when things can be compromised and injuries can occur. Is the labrum like a, like, when you were explaining it to me, I was thinking of like a shim, you know, like from a, from a, you know, from a carpenter, a carpenter, you know, if you have something like a drawer, I have drawers at home that move all the time, so I'm like trying to shim them so I can make it more stable you know mm -hmm. so it's sort of like a sleeve is it is it something like that where it, I know it's a lining and everything like that but just because without that would it be the case where your ball the, the ball would just be free-flowing for lack of better terms inside that sock well it would absolutely create a greater chance for it to move more um, so the labrum does deepen the socket and it is it acts like a shim and um, your biceps actually attaches into the labrum too as well so um, if their labrum is compromised or the biceps pulls in a certain way that can also create a risk for injury um, and more instability so yes it so is you like you shouldn't do too many bicep workouts a week <laughs> to, to, to take it easy on the shoulder area mark take it easy on the biceps oh, okay take it easy on those Never. biceps <laughs> so um, Case and, in <laughs> another thing that's important though um, to understand is we talked about all the joints and we talked about the, the shimmer, um, <laughs> but we also need to talk about the rotator cuff. Um, and the rotator cuff is made up of four muscles and they all work together to really create overhead movement of the shoulder, the throwing movements, the shoulder pressing overhead, those types of movements. And um, a lot of times since we were just talking about the biceps, people will call that the fifth rotator cuff muscle because it also acts um, as a stabilizer to that joint and it helps to work so with the rotator buys. cuff. We're, we're, we are saying don't do buys. You shouldn't do them as much as Mark does. Probably a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, with also with all of these things, I was just th I was thinking about this earlier when you were talking. Um, I always look at if those of you who are familiar with Jersey, if not, and I'm sure you can look at a map, but I look at like the, the, the where exit 11, because we always talk about exits in New Jersey, exit 11 and the parkway where they, where they intersect. I always tell people like, if you think about it, it's, 
you know, it's like the nexus of our state. I mean, everywhere, if you want to get anywhere, you can get. You exit can get on, the, on the on the turnpike. Yeah. Okay. So you got to exit. Oh my god, on the parkway. No, no, no. Okay. So you got to exit a lot. You got you got the turnpike. You right. got the parkway. You got 440. You got 287. You got Route One, Route Nine, 35, 36. All kind of converge right in that area. Yeah. He's a and real Rand McNally. Yeah. yeah, I'm a road scholar. I know all the roads. Uh, so you think about that, right? And I was thinking about, wow, that's almost like. That's almost like your shoulder because your yes. shoulder you got shoulder, super space, AKA, space. Exit 11, Terry's Jersey, major, you Jersey know, Turnpike, you know, all of that stuff. You got the lats, the bicep, the, the uh, pec, uh, pec minor, yes. right? So all of those things all kind of converge right into the right in That's your shoulder area, and it's mm -hmm. almost like it. It's almost the like the crossroads or the intersection of you know Isn't the muscular the Jersey Turnpike. Some fucked up dance on Jersey Shore too, like. So that makes sense. When your shoulder's messed up, you're like doing the Jersey Turnpike. It's not a good look. <laughs> Well, and you're right, because when all of those roads converge, if you look at it in that really great analogy, that's the most commonplace accidents can occur. Mm. Yeah, right. Right? A highly trafficked area. It's a highly trafficked area. Okay, <laughs> it is. And um, we didn't even start to talk about the shoulder blade muscles and how important they actually help in the health and the function of the shoulder. Um, but when all of those things converge, and if you're loading those joints and you're loading that tissue, and if you're not in good balance, um, that's when you're going to create a risk for shoulder pain and injuries. Uh, and I've got to, I've got a segue. I'm just going to jump around because I think this is a, a, a segue. So, with the types of injuries, you're going to you're going to talk about the types of injuries, right? Mm -hmm. But then you're going to move into sort of where the the genesis of those injuries and what how they how they occur, mm -hmm. and what was kind of caused me to think of a segue was. You know when you mentioned about highly trafficked areas, right? So when you're talking about when you get to the to the compensation, it's the like when there's an accident. It's like when there's an accident on the turnpike in mm -hmm. our uh, in our example earlier, right? A lot, everybody else is going to divert and they're going to go to the parkway and they're going to overload mm -hmm. the parkway and then that's going to get lot blocked up and then mm -hmm. they're going to go someplace else. So that was just it just came to mind when you're that's when we start talking really about, thinking about it. It is. Yeah. It really is. So, um, do we want to move a little bit into like the most common yeah. types yeah, start, of yeah, injuries? Start from, start from most common, we can start with what you see with us. Yeah. yeah. So, um, since Kim does treat us, by the way, we're not just here. <laughs> yeah. And they're really great patients we're also and examples. You <laughs> <laughs> listen to everything she says. So, um, what I most commonly see with CrossFit athletes, with baseball players, or, you know, basketball players, any overhead athlete. Um, is impingement syndromes of the shoulder, um, just really basic pain of the shoulder, um, and also rotator cuff um, weakness or some kind of compromise with the rotator cuff. Um, impingement syndrome, a lot of people would say, what the heck is that? Um, well, we talked about how all these roads converge, okay, and there's not a lot of space there. So where your rotator cuff attaches, um, right in the front, right? right in the front but it runs from basically the back of your, like near your shoulder blade, where a lot of the bellies of those muscles begin. And it runs through this little tunnel created by your collarbone, the end of your collarbone, and that ball and socket joint, or what we were talking about before. And that's where your rotator cuff kind of just runs right on through. And so if there is a lot of compression or a lot of repetitive overhead use, um, and you're not moving in a quality movement pattern, we'll call it, and we'll talk about that in a minute, um, it will increase your risk of compression on the cuff. 
And over time, that will create what we call impingement syndrome, where that small space um, can develop inflammation and more pressure on the cuff. And usually, impingement syndromes, if they continue on, continue on, they will lead to some changes in how the rotator cuff so performs. So impingement would be like construction on that turnpike where they make everybody go out of one lane. Yes. Yeah. And then not everyone can fit, like it. No. you know, and then it gets tight. So, and when it's tight like that, it increases your risk for developing shoulder pain, um, limitations with overhead movement, and all that diverting traffic. And that diverting traffic becomes all muscles firing that shouldn't, okay? Weakness in certain muscles, more muscles just overworking, and it will just expand into a greater traffic jam. <laughs> Like and I was pain. in July 4th. Yes. <laughs> so those are the two most common um, that we see. and um, Labrum tears? Labrum tears we see as well. Um, they partials or full? Like, is you it usually, usually see partial labrum tears. It really depends on the trauma of the injury. Most labrum tears occur either from some type of traumatic injury Impact um, normally, you think? Impact of some sort. Hmm. A lot of heavy overhead, potentially, hmm. with either increased weight. Is um, there a certain sensation that would go along with that? So if somebody had that, something like happened, they, they would know they may have partially tore their labrum, they, or, or, or they, they should be worried about that? So it's very difficult to differentiate, say, to say, okay, I did this, the front of my shoulder hurts, and it's a, it's a labrum tear. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult to differentiate that. Um, usually a healthcare provider could narrow it down based on the mechanism of the injury or the symptoms that they're describing and certain things we might find on an exam. So you shouldn't be going looking on Web, WebMD? And yeah, don't WebMD again. that one. Okay, you know, good. because even all the research out there, um, you know, people have shoulder pain. Um, common areas for shoulder pain, um, for rotator cuff, labrums, they all refer the same type of shoulder pain pattern, which is usually in the front of the shoulder and into the deltoid. So to say it's exactly this or it's exactly that, not left for the so inexperienced I think one determine. of the first things that you asked me was about my pain threshold as a, as a person. Mm -hmm. And what do you, is there any tools that you can give people that would kind of have them identify the kind of person they are as far as identifying their pain? Because some people are very little pains or big pains to them, whereas sure. for other people, big pains or little pains to them. Like, is there, is there some kind of way like a, that you would describe for somebody to take it easy if this kind of pain? Like, like what? Sure. Well, for instance, you were, when I came here, you had me hold my hand over a candle and count 1,001, 1,002, and that would develop what my tolerance was. So if you get to 10, you means you're hardcore? You're hardcore. Right. You yeah. can work through it. Just kidding, folks. <laughs> I usually... That might be a good test, though. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try that afterwards. We'll throw it in the video. I usually actually just ask a few simple questions. Does someone have pain at rest? Okay, mm -hmm. and um, if they have pain at rest in their normal day-to-day -day life, and then they have pain during an activity and it worsens and then they have pain after then that's probably saying something to you that <laughs> maybe I shouldn't be doing the activity if it's worsening and I have pain that's lingering mm -hmm. um, the other thing is is some people say well I don't have any pain and I you know I have a little bit of an ache when I'm doing it and then 
you know, it goes away. Okay, but we want to listen to the messages we get from our body because maybe you're flying under that threshold, but it's more about creating self-awareness and letting go of that ego yeah. because you're getting messages early that are saying something might be going on here. I need to take a look at what I'm doing. And this is when we talk about really getting back to basics. So if you're doing a very functional dynamic movement, like a thruster, or we Slow talked about, down. you know, or yeah. pull-ups or something where you're developing some pain and then it's going away, but something's happening, okay? Then we need to really break down to the fundamentals and see what's going on here. Why, what is potentially causing it, you know? Am I not using certain muscles the right way? Am I a little bit weaker in a certain group of muscles? And we'll get into that a little later. Yeah, I, one of the things that I noticed, because <clears throat> I had a labrum tear uh, that was repaired back in October 2015. But prior to that, I was at the uh, when I was at the Granite Games, I was, uh, you know, practicing or getting to the Granite Games, and then eventually getting there was uh, practicing muscle ups. And I wasn't able to get muscle ups because I would get them and then they would go away. And I would think it's just because that kind of particular movement is very difficult movement, and it's a it's a uh, uh, it's a perishable skill if you don't continue to to work on it. You know, it can leave you like that. But what I was finding. My left it was my left shoulder. That when I was trying to, uh, like the gymnasts don't call it muscle ups; they call it getting up on the rings. So when I was getting up on the rings, as I was coming through to get into that dip position in the, the, the in the ring, my left elbow would always fly out. I was never able to keep it tucked. Mm -hmm. And that is that is that something that would have been caused by by the uh, by the torn labrum? Potentially, because what happens is, and you're a great example of this, Mark, is that. When we do have, say, in like a tissue that's injured, like maybe the labrum is slightly torn or torn, maybe the rotator cuff has some slight of some slight or partial tear or full tear, which is a perfect example you are in. What happens is you start to use other musculature and you learn how to compensate. Our body, our bodies are brilliant. You will figure out your brain will figure out a way to get from point A to point B and finish the task. Now, does it mean you're going to do it right? No. Right. And when we do things like that, you can actually worsen the situation. So we're thinking, okay, well, I can still get, you know, I can still get myself overhead or I can still, you know, do that. But you're not doing yourself a service. So depending on what your goals are. And it's all about your goals. Uh, so if, if you're playing in your last Super Bowl or whatever, then it might be worth that injury. Yeah. Um, yeah, but if you're just training for the day, then it's probably not worth it. Mm -hmm. And that, and that also, you were ref your reference before, before about the toaster or about the French toast. Mm. You know, and I don't know at the risk of being redundant. We said this before, and it's, it kind of is apropos right now. So, um, like Kelly Starrett said, uh, you know, we're we're a very task oriented society, or or just just human right. beings in general, are very mm -hmm. task task oriented. So we'll figure out how to lift that weight or how to get up on the rings or how to, you know, deadlift 500 pounds if that's what we want to do. And his analogy was, it's like, you know, if you do a deadlift and you do it incorrectly, you compensate and you injure yourself and you slip a couple discs and, you, you know, now you're, you know, maybe you don't deadlift anymore or maybe, you know, whatever kind of injury that you, that you, that you cause upon yourself. You know, it's as similar to, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you're going to drop that and you're going to be like, yes, you'll be in traction yelling, I'm a 500 pound deadlifter. Mm -hmm. 
but it's it's the equivalent of your girlfriend, your wife, your husband, your boyfriend coming that you know coming in saying, "Hey, I made you some wonderful French toast this morning, but I burned the kitchen down." So, <laughs> you know, we we're task oriented. We wanted to you know we wanted to make that French toast, and we did. But we just you know, completely compromised half of the house in the process, and that's how good that French toast really be? Yeah, mm-hmm. really. It's the French toast at the end of the day is probably not worth it. Exactly. Well, and I think, like from your perspective, um, this is okay for sharing. But like you, you have a rotator cuff tear, mm-hmm. but you can throw up 135 pounds over your head. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna figure so out. So a little way background to, do it. to to that. <laughs> we uh, we did the sevens. If you guys are CrossFit and you know what that workout is, it's a pretty intense shoulder workout. Uh, Mark did that with a full rotator cuff tear uh, this past Saturday. Seven handstand push-ups, seven thrusters at 135 pounds, seven knee to elbows, seven deadlifts, seven burpees, seven burpees, seven, seven kettlebell overhead kettlebell swings, swings, and seven pull-ups, seven rounds. Yeah, wasn't and fast. You did that with warming up thoroughly for no. no okay. <laughs> I had to get in and get out because it was uh, my it was my daughter's birthday party, so I just uh, get the task done. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had to, I had to, I had a risk burning down the kitchen. <laughs> Well, and as a physical therapist, I'm having heart palpitations about it. <laughs> well, but my theory on that was probably not one that anyone should subscribe to, but uh, it was like, you know, I can't tear it 110%. So, <laughs> But that does go to kind of showcase what it is that you know, the, the body is capable of doing and compensating for mm-hmm. that lack of somewhere else. It's going to find it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's something that's important now as far as, Goals and gain to somewhere we want to get to too, because yes. you can do that elsewhere in your life, not just physically, but mm-hmm. you know a lot of other things. Where there's wills away, and obviously Mark had the will to do the workout, yeah. and his body found a way. And so I think another important thing to talk about, and and you're a great example of this, is is compensations. And um, you know we tend to obviously we know that you know injuries can occur because of compensations. Um, and one of the primary things I see as a therapist when people come in with shoulder pain is um, we have many shoulder blade muscles um, where our shoulder blade lies against our back ribs. And our middle trapezius, our lower trapezius, and a muscle called our serratus anterior are three of those big shoulder blade muscles that really help create scapular or shoulder blade stability. And that's shoulders that shoulder blade stability is essential and vital to help keep our rotator cuff intact and help basically provide great overhead quality movement. And uh, if you could label those muscles in general population terms as being either weak? They are inhibited typically, so, or weak, okay? They are just lazy muscles. They- Why is that you think? They just don't like to fire. Yeah, and a lot of it comes from even just our posture, our um, our lever systems as a human being. We're a big third class lever system. The way our bodies are designed, so, so we're not exactly we're so third class citizens as human beings. Yeah, we're third class here. <laughs> um, but basically, um, how we our body handles loads and how we move. Um, we aren't the most efficient just by the way we are created. Mm. So um, given that, you know, we have muscles that help really stabilize our body. And then we have muscles that, you know, that are constantly firing and other muscles that are like, well, if you're going to do that, I'm going to take the lazy man's route and I'm just going to hang out. No, is that, I mean, there's, there's a lot of talk about 
evolution and whatever it is that, that, that you believe in, but you say humans are kind of designed to be lazy and overeaters because they want to preserve as much energy as possible. Do you think that's probably why we tend to move we probably, lazily? I think our body takes the path of least resistance. Yeah, certainly. Um, so if a muscle's used to overworking and overworking, it's that's what it knows to do. That's what our brain and our muscle are, what we call in the therapy world, the neuromotor system or the neuromuscular system. That's what that brain has trained that muscle to do. So it's going to easily always do that. And the other muscles that aren't used to working, they're like, no problem. We'll just sit and hang out. I see it all the time. Yeah. With like with, with, with the most simple things, with, with people who have never done a lunge before. And they're mm-hmm. so used to trying to use their back to stand up instead of their legs. And, and it's... Uh, Mm-hmm. But it's, you got to coach them hard. So I think one major focus for people to help avoid the incidence of shoulder pain and shoulder injury is making sure that those inhibited muscles, which we call the scapular stabilizers or the shoulder blade stabilizers, are strong, are active, because they help control that overhead movement. So just to... How would you describe the, the shoulder blade movement? So I was actually just yeah, going to say good, that because I feel like we need to talk about that really like, quick. Yeah. So when you're, so you have your shoulder blade goes up, it goes down, it goes in towards the spine, it goes out away from the spine, and it also rotates up and it rotates down. So <laughs> I like Mark's visuals as you I'm do. Just trying to picture we're shrugging, it. Like, we're moving, uh, we're shimmying. Uh, uh, I feel yeah. like we should put some That's probably 70s great music on like, for you. Right? Retraction, yeah. retraction. Well, exactly yeah. that actually. So. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes these inhibited muscles, these middle, lower trap serratus, they all help with controlling the upward rotation of the scapula or the shoulder blade, the, the actual elevation of the shoulder blade. And they, they help control all those movements so that they're not moving so fast in one direction and, and uncontrollable. Um, and so actually just teaching them how to fire by simple, you know, retractions, protractions, sort of upward movements and, you know, different types of shrug movements, um, that alone can help get them firing. So that way when you go to do a dynamic, you know, pull up or overhead movement, they're ready and they're ready to actually fire. Okay, because they all need to work together. They all need to be like a unit when they're firing. Um, and so a lot of times what happens is, is when these muscles are asleep, okay, these, these shoulder blade muscles, the shoulder blade will just move so quickly in elevation that it will cause the head of that ball and socket joint to slam into the top of the joint. And what it's really slamming into is your rotator cuff. Mm, and okay. that would impinge that. And that's going to impinge that cuff and that, you know, and potentially that labrum and everything like that. And so that's really the meat and potatoes of it is those shoulder blade muscles. And I've even showed it on you, you yeah. know, with how it's tilted a certain way. It's not firing a certain way. They don't control it. And so if you're doing highly repetitive overhead movements and you're not creating that balance and that sort of control during the elevation, you're going to slam, slam, slam on that cuff and eventually have shoulder pain. So is that happening in pitchers in baseball? They get a lot of, over, a lot of throws and the, and the muscles get fatigued and from that slamming? Absolutely. Okay. 
Absolutely. Yeah, so that was something that we were talking uh, earlier before we started the podcast today about exercises and things that are not commonly performed mm-hmm. and I when I was when I was bodybuilding years ago we used to do a thing called I think it was what, scat jacks I think you and I <laughs> talked about that where you know we could do it on a bar on an on a on a pull-up bar but I was doing it on the on the lat pull down I would get the lat pull down and I would try to get it pretty heavy you know not not too heavy but heavy enough and just hold myself on that bar and just Pull, just just let my scapula like pull my scap down mm-hmm. just pull my scap down come up so you do that I, I do that too when I was warming up as post-surgery for my left shoulder you know just hanging and just doing scap jacks or serratus punches mm-hmm. stuff like that so these things are uh, would you say they were they're integral in the the you know supporting the shoulder joint the shoulder joint and shouldn't be overlooked and should be trained absolutely I mean they're really essential Okay. Um, and Do we have a, a, a before burners now we're going to have? It's after burners. And uh, yeah, we might have a time. Yeah. A quick before burner. <laughs> yeah. You know. A pre burner. A pre burner. But a pre burner would be great, even yeah. if it's two minutes. Yeah. Okay. Warm so them up. Were just get them going. Before, when I was doing it, I'm like, okay, what exercises? I'm sitting here and as I'm moving, I'm like, okay, you could do bandit, you know, wrap a band around the around the rig, sit, sit, on, sit on the floor. And just and just retract back that way is mm-hmm. that that could be one Absolutely. of them you know just off I think we did some stuff here where from a from a hands from a, a push-up position yep. and just doing we're shrugs. just doing shrugs from mm-hmm. push-up position protractions and retractions so all these things are mobilization activation exercises mm-hmm. that are also gonna, also going to support the mm-hmm. athlete in performing the the, the the movements that are necessary for his or her mm-hmm. sports another thing that's important too I mean because think about it do most people drive to the gym they do, yeah. right? Yeah. So what are you doing in a car? You have your arms. You hopefully are driving with your hands on the steering wheel. Mm. Um, and Where's your ideal hand place in being a physical therapist for us, for the people in... Are you at uh, yeah, 11 and 2, 6 and no, should we, 9 low, and 3? Right? I'm a here. I'm a lower. Oh, yeah. I don't like do a 10 one? and 2. Would your hands, would your like hands? lower. I do lower and usually just hold the steering wheel like so this. So supinated grip. Supinated grip. Which means palms up. <coughs> yes. But the way the steering wheel is curved, it's usually you're kind of halfway between supination and pronation, um, if you're like this. Okay, yeah. So, depending on the wheel. Um, so, you're neutral. Yes. Well, that's Fairly good. neutral. Now that you're talking about wheels, I mean, and not that we're getting off, off topic, because it was actually not, when I, had my, when I had my surgery, just steering, coming, mm-hmm. across, coming across this way, or, you know, when prior surgery, just having a compromised rotator cuff, mm-hmm. you can feel, you could feel mm-hmm. it. Like I can feel when I come, if I'm coming from say three counterclockwise to 12, once I get mm-hmm. into that position, that internal, that, that mm-hmm. would be an internal rotation position, I can feel the, fr- I can feel the, the, you know, my rotator cuff <clears throat> front of my shoulder. Uh, I could feel the pain in that. Like, well, just and that tweak. a big reason for that is, is when you go across the body like that, you're creating you're compromising the space even more. So, so causing even a greater pr- it, a, a, an impingement? Exactly. What is that, what is that dance called? Uh, the, the kids are doing nowadays? Oh, I don't know. The dab or something I like that? I thought you were going to do the shopping oh. cart. What is that called? The dab, right? Something like oh, that, that one? No, no, that, that whip shit. Right? Oh. The whip? Oh, I should know that. I'm not hit to the game right anymore. Yeah. That's, yeah, you're yeah. impinging your shoulders, kids. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, they're not doing that at the, where I hang out at the American Legion or the VFW. <laughs> but when people, 
But when people are driving too, okay, I mean, most people, like, you drive, they work on computers, they're mm -hmm. on iPhones, they're on, you know, tablets. Everything is in front of our body, mm -hmm. okay? Our pecs get tight, you know, that contributes to basically forward movement of that ball and socket joint and even it creates holding, impingement. Even holding the cell phones, I see the kids, you know, they're like hunched over, shoulders collapsed, mm -hmm. sitting there, you know, back rounded. Douchebag shoulders and drum. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Re, you know, just just forever on their on their whatever they their droid or their iPhone. Right. And that's we talked about uh, uh, practice makes permanent. Practice doesn't make perfect. It does, right. So then you're going to be permanently, you know, walking around. We're going to see a lot of people hunched around with rounded shoulders in the future if, you know, if people well, don't fix and it's, their it's something to think about because it's not just about what you're doing if you're at the gym or in, you know, your day. It's all about your lifestyle day to day. Like if you think about all those things contribute too. Oh, you should see so, when I drink a beer, I am completely in upright. Oh, external rotation. You don't understand that with your. So so now practice is is, is is a good. I think it's something good to talk about too. Is um, you practice physical therapy? Yes. I think you know. I think people need to understand that they practice CrossFit. Like, they, mm -hmm. crack, they practice weightlifting, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's a practice. It's, it's, it's trying to get better at it. You're not, mm -hmm. you aren't there. You're never really going to get there. You know, I mean, there is, is the is, is the top of the mountain, and I don't think most people are getting to the top of the mountain, right? So sure. having that mindset going into your training, into your sport, into whatever it may be, is important too. And we're constantly working on the fundamentals. I've been practicing for almost 19 years, and I still work on the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. Gets me to the next step. Well, just like you football, know? right? Blocking, tackling. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the blocking and tackling, like these these little things. Working on these these little things are almost like the blocking and tackling for your particular sport. It is because you have to develop self awareness in what you're doing. It's the greatest tool to prevent injury. It really is. So, and people are lucky with the coaching support they have, especially in in the CrossFit community. Um, like if your coaches are your coaches are there to support you, you know, to help teach you technique, to kind of be that second set of eyes. Because when you're doing the activity yourself, it's hard to see where you are, right? Mm -hmm. I would yeah. imagine. Yeah. So um, you know, having that support and then sort of saying, all right, well, if this stuff isn't really completely working, then um, or, you know, some of these muscles aren't firing right. I'm seeing this. Then break it down. You know, start some isolated strengthening of those things and then bring it into the dynamic activity and see if it's changed your movement pattern. Now, would you recommend from a coach, for, for the coaches like, uh, like Rob and myself, uh, you know, and I, I think before when I was, when you were describing how the uh, scapula moves, right? And mm -hmm. I kind of closed my eyes and said it's called, like, and then moving, it's that proprioception, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to know where my, my, you know, understanding and feeling where my body is in space right mm -hmm. so uh, would you think that this would be a good you know something good for our for for athletes and you know overhead athletes CrossFit athletes to you know before when I was recommending how to you know perform a, you know just the, just the shrug seated or in the plank mm -hmm. position or a serratus punch right to close your eyes to feel to try to imagine and imagine which way that which way your scapula is moving which yes. way your shoulder blade is moving okay oh okay I can feel that yeah, now. So that muscle can, connection. yeah so they that can visual imagery that. Yeah. Um, if you can close off that sense that vision like the actual you know knock off the 
visual sense and then just use that guided imagery to do it. That's the best way to do it because you'll connect with more of that tactile and movement component of what you're trying to focus on. So definitely. I bet there's a lot of resources out there somewhere, which I'm going to look for now, that just talk about the, where they have the anatomy and, and, they, and they show it going through certain motions and what mm -hmm. it does. And it kind of shows the bones and muscles and what they do. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. seeing that and then visualizing yourself going through that stuff would be mm -hmm. probably a nice little tool. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's got to be something on the web for that. Plenty. Um, Otherwise, we'll have to have Kim make it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, have an, I, I, I have a question. This is this, uh, per, it, it, It's curious to me personally. Um, so... As I mentioned before, I had bilateral ACL, <laughs> and that took a little while. It wasn't as quick as my as the shoulders. ACL is a knee. Yeah, sure. ACL your um, anterior cruciate ligament, both both knees. So I had both knees, uh, ACL reconstructions on both knees. Which is a very common injury nowadays because of the deconditioning of most people. Mm -hmm. sure and the lack of core stability. Yeah, yeah. a lot of AC, uh, risk of ACL. Um, injury. A lot of what they're finding, especially in adolescence, is, kids, yeah. Yeah, is yes. because of lack of core stability. Players. Yeah. But uh, that's going to be one of our topics in, in the future. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's let's hold more that. to come on that. Yes. One. Stay tuned. Well, did we do some video <laughs> stuff with the landing mechanics too? Mm -hmm. we so the question, the question <laughs> that I, the question that I had uh, selfishly was: so October, October twelfth, twenty fifteen. That was the left shoulder. All right, and that was. Uh, I, the labrum tear had uh, a supraspinatus was 100% torn. The infraspinatus was 70% torn. I had um, a, a bicipital partial, partially torn bicipital tendon. So now we're fast forward to you know what 18 months or so to give or take, right? Right shoulder. Actually, it was quicker than that because I probably did the right shoulder somewhere maybe March. You know, and March or April is mm -hmm. when I was diagnosed with it. And so, uh, do you see, is it common for athletes when they talk about compensation and overcompensation? Mm -hmm. Do you, is it, is it common or do you see it a lot in athletes where they'll injure one side, you know, and then they'll get that re surgically repaired and all of a sudden the other side will go because of compensation or am I just special? You're just special. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I knew it. Thank you. Special. Um, That's all I want to hear. You know, probably because, um, and the reason I say this is there's a lot of factors, especially with rotator cuff injuries. Um, age is a factor. I mean, we all know you're really young, yes. but still, mm -hmm. um, you know, age is a factor. And, and the truth of the matter is, as we age, usually in the fourth and fifth decades of life, most of us are going to have some wear and tear on their cuffs. Yeah. Um, and depending on the type of sport-specific activities you do, might warrant whether or not something would happen bilaterally or just on one side. Is there wear and tear in the cuffs without doing activity? Yes. Probably more so. <laughs> yeah, because our whole life we use our cuffs mm -hmm. with anything we're doing, carrying children, um, you know, work driving. Brushing your hair. Brushing your hair, putting clothes on. Anything you do, you, it's it's very active. So I was just surprised. I was just surprised because, you know, Growing up playing athlete, you know, playing sports. Growing up, I was, you know, I was a catcher. So, knees—that's probably one of the reasons why I try to look mm -hmm. back. Plus, military jumping out of airplanes probably doesn't have, you know, that's not something that's recommended that normal <laughs> people do. Anyway, but from a uh, from a sports, you know, a, a standpoint, you know, throws all the time. With not that I was a pitcher, but I was every time the pitcher threw the ball, catcher's got to throw the ball mm -hmm. too, right? So. Right. 
Uh, so that plus plus playing football. I mean, harder to throw too, being 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 squatted to, to throw down at second base yeah. than it is pitching and letting your full body move. You know, probably much harder on the actual joint. I would think too. And that's what's surprising to me is that why this went to second. Why this went this one went to second. Well, you know, no, no, no. For, for, for me, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Ken. That makes more sense to me. Because that 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 has had a lot of strengthening throughout your okay. You know I, I, mean? I didn't look at it from there yet, from that perspective. And it's your dominant side, your yeah. right hand dominant. So you're you probably actually stabilize more on this side, um, just from always using it and mm. you know how you're moving. Like my overhead squat is really good. My right hand and my left hand. Well, how about, you know, that's another one other thing is, is sleeping because I, I remember having problems with my shoulder long time ago, you know, like when pterodactyls flew. And I went to the doctor and, uh, and <laughs> what is <laughs> click? So I went to the witch doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, well, I don't know. Put some needles in it. You're a little tired. You no, know, I'm that, just that like, took a good solid five oh seconds to click. Uh. Like, what's he saying? <laughs> so I was sleeping like that, and it actually mm-hmm. to the point where my doctor recommended, which it couldn't. I tried once because mm-hmm. it's like it, it's like sleeping in a in, in a straitjacket, but to take my take a t-shirt and put cuff put your arm inside the t-shirt and sleep so that you you'll now, this, stop this is a like general this. doctor yeah it wasn't a pt no, no definitely not PT. what would you recommend <laughs> sleeping posture wise on your back you know hands it, folded across your chest like dracula <laughs> upside down I think, I think you sleep however you get sleep so um mm. i think i mean the most supportive sleep postures are either lying on your back some people even put pillows underneath their knees um or you know lying on your side and putting even sometimes pillows between your legs people like that kind of support um anytime you put your arm overhead anytime your arm is in an awkward posture or if you're in a full end range of motion which would be your elbow completely flexed or bent and way overhead you're liable to just compromise um, some of the musculature and even some of the nerves that run down the length of the arm. So um, that's people always say, I woke up and my pinkies or my hands were numb. Mm. Well, were you sleeping with your arms completely well, you bent? sleep like that little like, the, the, mm-hmm. the fetal type curled in position with their arms in them all yeah. tight and they can't extend their arms out. Yeah. So that doesn't comp- that, that's not a compromising position for to, to contribute to a shoulder to a shoulder injury. <laughs> that is with your arm hanging like well, that. Well, no, no. I'm, I mean, yeah, we're sleeping on bleeding, it. Yeah, sleeping yeah. like this because I do find myself all the time with this arm mm-hmm. out. It's almost like just imagine that I'm doing a side stroke in the yeah. pool. You know? It's true. So I'm like, this and just then I wake good. up I'm like you know I used to wake up and I'm like oh you know that's weird you know so well because you're at an end range in your shoulder joint you're compressing it this is actually an impingement position right. with so your arm directly overhead so you got full range of motion sleep yeah, yeah. full range well, well, you know, yeah, at least so you're this doing is, full range of motion yeah that's actually very compressive I won't get no rep on my sleep <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> so that so that is something that some that some folks yeah, should be concerned with. They should be. I mean, anytime you have a shoulder pain, too, it, it the, due to the contact stress of lying on that injured shoulder, um, it's going to probably be difficult to lay on that side um, because when you can when you lay on something and you're compressing it, you're decreasing the blood flow to that area. And if you have tissue that's impaired or compromised and you're not getting proper blood flow to it, mm. you're going to feel it even more. That's how it kind of works. So, what's the Kim Kukin method of waking up in the morning and, 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 and make it, you know, have proper blood flow? Rise and shine. Get up and you do like the grind. Then we say, like move around. What do you do? Um, Put your feet on the floor and reach for the stars. <laughs> Honestly, simply, what I do. Pendulate. You know, <laughs> I usually just make sure first. I mean, spinal mobility is 
number one. So just, you know, before I even jump out of bed, I usually just move my knees side to side, get my arms, just move them up and down, shrug my shoulders, do whatever I need to do, loosen up. And then I actually usually roll to my side and then sit myself up. Maybe that's all the years of PT training, um, Hmm. just so I'm not shocking my body because my body's been static for how many hours? So you roll to your side and sit up. And then I sit up. So I roll so like so, a log. So you don't just like rise don't just, up like a... I don't jump up. When I wake up in the morning, Because I don't want to startle my body. When I wake up in the morning, I'm usually grabbing my wallet, calling Uber, and getting the hell out of where I am. But. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're like, I don't know the day. <laughs> so, and then usually, actually, I, you know, then I stand up. And... Shower is a great place to loosen up too. You know, yeah. you've got you know warm water, heat. It's more relaxing. You know, get yourself moving a little bit. And Ease sl- into your day. Move slowly, folks, because it's a slippery, yeah. wet surface. <laughs> it is. Don't do it jumping is. jacks in the shower. Yeah. You're saying. Don't okay. literally jump in the shower. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the worst note ever. So that's a good reason to to, to keep yourself healthy and mobile and and, and stable. Mm-hmm. So just things like when you slip, you know get hurt oh yeah you know what I mean because that, that, that happened to me this, mm-hmm. this this past when I slipped and I thought for sure I mean just caught myself mm-hmm. in a weird spot and was like okay I was like wow mm-hmm. I imagine if I was deconditioned and not you know active mm-hmm. how much that may could, could be a big issue but I've well, seen I, I'm sorry I've seen a, a, a like that's his name Branch Warren I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. are familiar Branch Warren yeah. he's a he, he's he fell he, a horse he, yeah fell off a horse <laughs> great that was great but uh, Branch Warren yeah, YouTube that. Branch Warren falling off a horse. Mm-hmm. Um, he was walking, and this was this isn't the first bodybuilder that I heard. So, so to your point, mm-hmm. you know, strengthening, you know, it's a good thing, but it, being too strong might be a bad thing because these guys slipped, tried to recover, flexed their flexed their muscles mm-hmm. so much they detached from. I mean, just detached mm-hmm. from their. You don't bone. think that has to do with all the steroids they're on? It could be. Okay. You know, well, and being dry too, like you know, these guys going into yeah, going yeah, the bodybuilding yeah, yeah, yeah. show, so they're dehydrated. They try to get right. all the subcutaneous water out, and it's. Uh, I'm know, not saying all bodybuilders do steroids, right. but, mm-hmm. but the top level guys is pretty prevalent. And so. these guys are. I mean, yeah. when you're when you're like five ten, three hundred and five pounds, and you're four three three and a half percent body fat. Yeah, it's probably not. You're probably not getting there because you're doing some shakes. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like I always say, mobility and flexibility is the foundation of everything. So you can be so strong, you could lift buildings, but if you don't have, if you do not have mobility and flexibility, well, over time you're not going to be efficient. That's, that's a good point because these guys, these guys walk like they, you know, they walk like robots. So yeah, there's, there's a couple who can do like Kai Green can do like yeah, full Kai splits. Green, yeah, Kai Green's pretty good, but, but and, and he's actually I think he's Kai Green's one of the guys that that, that injured himself. Yeah. yeah, he's one of the guys that injured himself. Crazy stuff. Injuries happen. Anything else that was of important points to make today? I mean, I think we got we covered a good amount yeah, I think we covered. of stuff. So, what are the takeaways? The takeaways, uh, you know, warm up. Mm-hmm. You know, listen to your body. Why don't you? I'm not, I don't want to. I don't want to repeat them. So, what do you think the t- the takeaways are, here are? You know, just to kind of encapsulate what you are. I think, what you, I think what basically make. we know that the shoulder is a very mobile joint but it also needs stability. It needs both, right? So that means you gotta warm it up and get it mobile, okay? And then you also have to stabilize it during dynamic movement to protect it from getting injured. So doing a couple quick warm-ups to get those shoulder blade stabilizers to fire and then carry that over into your dynamic overhead 
lifting, pull-ups, handstand push-ups, anything you're doing. Okay, even rows. Okay. So would you you consider yourself an avid yogi? Yes. Okay, so what's a good yoga move to 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 warm up and stabilize the shoulder joint that somebody can do pretty easily without years of training? Well, you know what? You're stealing my thunder. You're stealing my yoga thunder. Sorry. Okay. But honestly, something as simple as cat cow, down dog to plank. Yeah. Okay. I remember the um, first time doing yoga, I was dying doing that down dog to plank. And I was looking around. Was with good control. Yeah. And then if you're on plank, do a couple of shrugs, protraction, mm-hmm. retractions. That's a that's a two-minute warm-up, and those blades are ready. Blades you know, are ready. The blades are ready. Sharpen them up. <laughs> blades of glory. Yeah. Blades of glory. Go for your thrusters. <laughs> so, and one, the other thing that I, don't th- that I think is important to mention is that, you know, myself included, is listen to your listen to your body. Mm. Yes, <laughs> if pain is becoming more even of a if you've trained factor, yourself to tell your body no, right? Mm-hmm. Try to listen a little more. Yes, because it's longevity. You know what I mean, and it's about creating body awareness. You know what I mean, so you can get to that next level of whatever your goals are, what you want to achieve. Strongevity. Strongevity, like that. I've been using that lately. I like that. Yeah. So, um, th- that to me is the most important. Is because if not, then you know. If you don't, if you're not connecting with what you're doing, you're going to be more predisposed to having an injury. And uh, don't go out there and start uh, uh, web MDing, folks. Come down here and see uh, see Dr. Kim. <laughs> Thank you. I have a, a lot more to talk about when it comes to this shoulder one-on-one. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, if you yeah. want to hear my voice and listen to me jabber about it. <laughs> so, or your lovely dog. Yes. Or you yeah. want to hear me talk about my big chocolate lab I have that I love. <laughs> All right, well, thanks so much, Kim. That was, uh, was fun. Yes, thank you.